Episode 271, The Rant, Christina Zazaro, women's collegiate basketball official, and more importantly, registered nurse in the state of Massachusetts. Timing is of the essence, and it was perfect timing to speak to a first responder like Christina. Amid a pandemic, we chop it up with Christina to talk about her early life and her love of sports, her officiating mentors that elevated her game to the collegiate level, juggling being a registered nurse and as an official, and what it's like to be one of the most important professions during the age of coronavirus. All that and more, my conversation with Christina, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Neat Tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires, too. Enter knee tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9 to 5, too. Listeners of The Rant can visit neattucks.com and enter the coupon code REFEREERANT, one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's referee rant, one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest by way of Massachusetts via the Bluetooth on the phone. Women's collegiate basketball official and, of course, a high school official in Massachusetts, Miss Christina Zazaro. How are you? Good, how are you? Did I pronounce your name correctly? Uh, yes, you did really well. <laughs> Usually people, people yeah, mess sure. that up. Yeah. I'm sure they do. But nonetheless, welcome to the show. Thank you. So how did you catch wind of Referee Ramp? Well, you know, I'm in the car a lot, traveling to a lot of games, and I was shuffling through some podcasts and searching for some referee content, and uh, this popped up. And so I've been hooked ever since following you on Instagram and all the social media outlets, um, I'm hooked. That makes me feel so good. And, you know, I'm really excited to tell your story because I think no matter how high you are or how low you are, if you just started, I think everybody's story matters. And it's that uniqueness that I don't think that there's like a real discernible path. It's not like you can go to school and then go to high school, then college and then grad school, and then you can just have it. It's kind of like this person goes up first and then this this person got through some sort of adversity, but I was interested to hear your story too, because you have that duality of serving as a nurse. So I'm interested to hear all of these things, but of course, nursing has been a hotbed of a profession because of the coronavirus that has been happening for almost a year now, which is crazy for me to say. And, you know, first I wanted to ask you, how have you been holding up during the age of coronavirus? How's your family? And when was the moment that you took all of this really serious? Sure. Great question. We are okay. We're good. Luckily, everyone in my family to this point has been healthy. We've had a couple of scares here and there, just like a lot of families. But 
we're taking it serious and, and making sure that we're doing everything we can to stay healthy, you know, eating right, distancing ourselves, quarantining when needed and all that. So, so we've been great. Yeah. A year seems like a, a really long time. I didn't really mm-hmm. even realize it till this moment. Yeah. You know, I'm still in the thick of it with work and everything. I haven't even kind of put my head up to breathe yet, but no, we're all good definitely taking it serious and not letting up on our practices right now. So since you're in the medical field, you might have been hip to what was going on in China and then it was spreading all throughout Europe. And then, of course, in the United States, did you, were you hip to it of, of it before, like around January? Was it something that you were anticipating that it was going to be something that was going to be an issue in the hospital? Yes. You know, our sixth sense was up. We were like, oh, this doesn't sound good. You know, you hear things on the news all the time. You're not sure what's going on in other places, but this just kept coming up. So the, the community hospital where I work, we, we took it serious from the very beginning. Mm. We didn't see any cases back in January. You know, it, it wasn't here in the U.S. at that level yet. But yeah, by March, we were in the full swing of things and, and hit with it and hit hard. So yeah, from January on, we it was no joke. It was every day. We're going to focus on it. We're going to prepare. We're going to get our you know, protective equipment and things like that. So from the beginning, we were in it. Mm. And we're still there. Oh, yeah, it's completely. And I just read an article. We're taping this on a Sunday, October 18th. I was reading this article just yesterday in the New York Times about how the greatest, I guess, enemy of the pandemic at this moment in time, at least in the United States, is the fatigue. And I know that at least from where I am, I'm in New York. I'd say around Memorial Day, everyone kind of was like, you know what, it's warm, we'll start to do things. And they kind of gradually opened everything. And I think, of course, in New York, we got ravaged so badly. And then our infection rate went down so severely because we took it so serious that, you know, we kind of got accustomed to just being outside, doing these things. And and now I feel I'm right in front of a window and I can feel the breeze and, and it's definitely getting cold. And I see that there's a couple of businesses outside of the window of you know, they're, they're trying to get the last remnants of it not being 48 degrees <laughs> at night. So <laughs> right. you know, what I wanted to ask you, how much has, especially like in the, in, in the hospital, how much has the perception of coronavirus changed? Is it to the point where it's like everyone kind of let their guard down? And then now we're talking about in October. Is there a level of frustration in the area in which you're in? Uh, I think definitely. You know, as healthcare workers, we're not perfect. We have good days and bad. We see, you know, the things we see on a day-to-day basis. You can have a really great shift and not have many sick patients. And then there's other days where our hospital's full and you've got a full assignment and they're, they're highly acutely ill. I definitely think this summer it did help that my, you know, because I'm a nurse manager, that my nurses were able to take vacations, even if that meant a week off at home with their family, just spending more time with them, being outside. That's been a long-standing thing for nursing. Since Florence Nightingale, our, you know, the, the very beginning nurse that we kind of follow as our leader, mm. um, even after she's gone, has been, she believed in sunlight and the power of sunlight and how that can actually heal you. So it's funny you say Memorial Day. Yeah, a lot of people around, you know, in our country, but specifically in, in my circle, definitely gravitated outside. Let's figure out how to see each other, still be distant and whatnot. But no, at the hospital, we have not taken a breath. We've not relaxed our safety measures. We are still continuing every day to take it serious because 
we know the second wave is coming yeah. if it's not already here. Yeah. So we're trying to help ourselves in the future by making sure that we're still telling our patients, our family members, our visitors that come in, hey, these are why we still have these strict guidelines. I'm sorry it's an inconvenience. I'm sorry it's hard, but we've, we've got to keep doing it. Right. And listen, I, I want everyone still to continue to stay safe, socially distance, wash your hands, uh, sing the birthday song while you're doing it. And of course, yeah, that's right. <laughs> wear your mask. <laughs> special, special thank you to all the frontline workers, doctors, nurses, anyone, porters, whatever, anyone that's in the hospital field. And of course, you keep staying safe and keep staying strong. We'll get through this all together. But from this whole duration, and I don't even know if you officiated at all. I know there's a couple of pockets, at least here. I know I'm still doing flag football, but, you know, from this time, from March, from the pause, working this whole time, and now all the way leading up to almost November, what do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time? Ooh, I learned a lot. I learned that I'm more resilient than I thought I was, to be honest. You know, officiating ended for me in February. I had a, a good playoff game to end my season on. And as we're now gearing up for the next season and trying to figure out what's going to go on, that left a lot of time to think in between. And yeah, I was focused on my other job of, you know, being a nurse and working and seeing this whole other side. It was like a war zone almost. So thinking, you know, like, how am I going to get through this every day? It's a new challenge coming through. Mm. Definitely learn that you're more resilient than you think you are. You've got more of a community than you think you even have. I was blessed enough to have people reaching out to me via social media, via, you know, my personal phone, via mail that, you know, I never thought I would hear from in this time. So I learned that I've got a great community backing me Mm. and that means everything to me. Yeah. And I I feel the same way. We have been connected and we realized that I know me, I never really used FaceTime before and I'm like always on it. I'm always on Zoom, (laughs) right? I mean, I do some technological things, but I'm really interested to delve deep into this duality of being a nurse and, and as an official, because it's like, that sounds like an occupation where you can really, you know, have a couple of days off and not work instead of, you know, some people like really work a graveyard shift and then end up refing at the end. But so I'm interested to hear this, but of course, as an official, you had some sort of deep affinity towards sports. I want to dig, dig deep into that. Having said that, what did you play growing up? Where did you grow up? What did you play in middle school, high school and in college? Sure. So I grew up in Westfield, Massachusetts. I played basketball since I can remember. Middle school, I was on a competitive team. Then you transitioned to high school, varsity basketball. I was a co-captain of my team the senior year. I ended up being offered a partial scholarship for college for basketball. So I uh, went out to Carlo University in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So I left home got to experience NAIA basketball, which I had never been privy to before. It was a great time. I learned a lot there. And my basketball days in that sense of being a player ended during college. And for a lot of people, that's a tough time. You played basketball for all your life. You're not really sure what to do with yourself after that. So, yeah, that's when I kind of transitioned to the wrestling world. And, and made my debut there. Before I get into the reffing part, I just want to go back into that college experience. Don't tell mm. me that you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan now, are you? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I do have extensive family roots in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania <laughs> okay. itself, so okay. don't hate me. But yes, I love the Steelers and I like the Patriots. It's a weird dynamic. I know 
doesn't make sense to people, but I can't help but how my parents raised me. It's right. just, that's how it is. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think people in New York, it's really difficult to do that because there's the Giants and then there's the Jets, there's the Mets. And then it's like we can still decide within where we live. Right. But I'm, yeah. believe it or not, I was a, uh, the only team that plays in New York. I was a Buffalo Bills fan. And as the story goes, when I was in fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, my favorite team in the whole wild world ended up losing in the Super Bowl all the time. So then in eighth grade, <laughs> I decided to pick a team that had no history. As the story goes, uh, the Cleveland Browns moved to Baltimore. And then I've been a Baltimore fan, the Ravens, for since day one. So obviously oh, I hate, wow. you know, obviously I hate the, the Steelers, but we can agree to disagree. We're cool. <laughs> we can, we can. Yes. Mutual respect there. <laughs> so before I get into the officiating part, I do want to know since, and I know what that's like just growing up, playing all the time, middle school, high school, yeah. then, you know, you were fortunate enough to play at the collegiate level. What was your perception yeah. of officials all this time when you were playing? <laughs> well, originally, I was not a fan. I'm going to be honest. I was that kid who didn't understand why they were calling me for, you know, that foul or didn't understand how they couldn't call that other individual for a foul. Right. And then an interesting thing happened. You know, I have siblings. So my older sister was playing basketball and my dad was in the stands and was that parent that was always yelling at the rest. And so one day he said to himself, you know what? This doesn't make sense. I bet you I don't have the right knowledge. Mm. And that's why I'm yelling at these reps. I want to educate myself. So he went and took a class. Actually ended up becoming a ref because of it. And since that point, I learned something. You know, I definitely, again, didn't have the knowledge just like him. I had a perception of what the rules were, and I didn't have the actual rules itself. So I kind of flipped at that point because I, I realized that, there's more to it and was hooked since then of being a big ref fan and an advocate. Mm. There's, there's definitely more to it. And, and I, I think, as you know, I think what's interesting is that what's a good field goal percent percentage out of 10 shots. It's like, if you hit three shots, that's pretty good, right? Yeah. If we, if we have a hundred calls or no calls and we mix that up and we get one wrong, one critical one wrong, and we're at 99% <laughs> accuracy, we suck. Yep. We suck. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. I, yeah, it's tough. It's tough out there. Yeah. But you, you know, you do the best you can, and you gotta, you gotta just learn from it. Okay. So after that experience, seeing somebody take the stripes, how did you get into it? Like I said, after college, I was, I was kind of lost. I was like, all right, I, I got to figure out how to get into the game again. I need that outlet. That other passion in my life is like dwindling. I got to keep it alive. So. I said to myself, do I want to be a coach or do I want to be a referee? Like I mentioned before, my dad had done it for years and he said, you'd make a great referee. Mm. Honestly, I hadn't seen at that point a lot of women refereeing. And I, I viewed it as a challenge. I said, you know what? Why aren't we out there? Why aren't we represented? We should be in it just like everybody else. So I took on the challenge in my first year, took the test, passed. And have been loving it. That's great. Can you remember what your first experience was refing? Because I always akin it to like, you know, when you're a kid and you're in the back seat of your parents' car, it's like mm-hmm. I can't wait till I drive. Until like the first time you drive and you're like, oh, this is what the brakes feels like. Oh my, I don't. Refing is not nearly what I thought it would be. Talk about that first experience that you had. Sure, I ended up doing like a suburban, like middle school kids type game. 
little boys and they're running around and you're out there and you know I've played suburban myself I know how it goes and you don't really have somebody working the clock like they should it's a parent that doesn't really know what they're doing you got another ref where you're not sure how many years they've had of experience so I remember walking that gym feeling anxious as all heck and you get in there and you, you're not sure how many travels you're supposed to call, you know, on, on kids of that age and how many fouls you're really going to call in that game. You've <laughs> just got all this knowledge and you're like, all right, I want to put it to use. You got to kind of relax a bit. It's a kid's game. So um, I could just remember trying to talk to the other referee that was working with me and get a sense of what, to do and I'm forever grateful for that ref who who helped me through that first one mm. um I didn't quit after that even though it was a little scary <laughs> but glad that um that worked out that way and you know at that level it helped me gain the confidence to go on to high school and more yeah see I always think that that first pivotal game is such a difficult thing to get through it's like the gauntlet and I mean, you think about if you're a nurse, right? Like you, you yeah. have like clinicals, then you have residency. Yeah. So like you are like, it's understood. You go, oh, this is Christina. This is her first day at this hospital. So right. just to let you know, she's going to be shadowing me and she's going to help. Imagine us refing and I say, hey, this is Christina. This is her first day. So <laughs> make sure that when you yell at her, make sure that you kind of like you do the edited version like that just yeah. doesn't happen. It's like one of the only professions where there's no mercy. I don't care who you right. are, where you're from. And I think that that level of confidence always comes from those first couple of moments where there's an official that handles you with care. That is somebody that right. understands and can empathize when they first started and knows what it's like. So, um, yeah, it's so important. What I wanted to ask you is when was that moment that you like had that confidence and then started to say, you know what, I want to take this serious and I want to get to high levels of this? Sure. I would say my second year in, I transitioned. I had been doing a great job with Kenji. I had transitioned up to my first varsity game, and I was feeling good about it. You know, I had a lot of support around me. And then I heard of the new individuals that were coming onto our board, and we were looking to recruit more for the next season. And so I started talking with a couple of the new officials and trying to just give them pointers and tips and whatnot. And then after in the postseason, we were we were recruiting at the playoffs and things like that. Had a table, a booth set up, trying to recruit other people to become referees. And that's when I just realized and clicked that I was passionate about it and that I wanted more people to be a part of this. And I wanted to mentor other people, too, coming in because there's a lot of referees that start. And then all of a sudden, their second, third year, they're like, you know what? This isn't what I wanted. And, and they're quitting. And. I don't want that to be the case. You know, so I've heard of some people that have just one bad game is that is just awful and, and a really bad experience. And then they hang up the whistle and I don't want that to happen. We all can have bad games. We all have had bad games. I don't care who you are as a ref. There's been something that you aren't proud of, wasn't your best product that you put out there. But what's important is if you learn from it and get back up and, and keep going. So I think I realized in between that, that after that second season that I wanted to mentor others and I also wanted to elevate my game and go to the collegiate level. Mm, that's that's a wonderful yeah. story. And, you know, I, yeah. I think about the first couple of times that I refed uh, softball. So I didn't even do basketball. That was like my fourth sport. So when I ended really? up... Wow. <laughs> 
When I ended up doing softball, I'm doing it with adults that have been playing for 25 years that have been drunk for four hours. And here I am. It's like I have I've never played softball. I have no I think I had beads of sweat within the first 45 seconds. And that game, albeit it was probably an hour and a half, it felt like three hours and 30. It it felt like it was never going to end. So by the time I did basketball, I was like, well, it can't be as bad as people that have been playing for 25 years and completely inebriated. But, you know, I grew that affinity. And, you know, just hearing that, it you, it always goes back to, you know, you had really great mentors. Yeah. You talked about your dad who really set a path of, of at least getting it in your mind that it could be something. And, of course, those people that, you know, made you want to become a mentor, that made you feel comfortable those first games. So aside from your dad, who are other mentors that you have, if you can list them, what do you think they've done for yeah. your career and how do you think they've shaped the way you've helped people after you? Yeah, I, I am on a great board uh, for my high school and I've had mentors that were consistent. This is, I'm going into my sixth season now. One of them is actually retiring this year. I just found out his name's Brian Page. He has been a leader on our board. He has taken me and so many other individuals under their wing and just, had great conversations. He'll go out in the court with you in, in scrimmages before the season starts and just go through things with you. He's not one of those people who's going to make you feel bad for something that you did on the court. He's just going to talk you through it, give you examples of when he screwed up, give you examples of what you can work on. I've, I have a great rules interpreter for my board as well. His name's Chuck Elias. He's refereed at the collegiate level as well. He really pushed me to go to the college level, even when I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to go yet. He's like, are you kidding me? Let's go. And then I have two like referee buddies that are just, we're texting constantly. We've got a group chat going. We're sending each other clips of our games. We're talking about different scenarios that happened, or we get to ref together and we're after the game just going over play by play by play of what we could have worked on Suzanne and Odette they're one of my you know great buddies that I've gotten the privilege to work with over the last couple of years but yeah that that consistent mentorship and that friendship and community that has happened has been phenomenal for not only my referee game but my life so I think that other individuals that are thinking about getting into this, they should consider that piece of it too and and stick it out. Yeah. And I could see you being just having a flock with you, having a lot of influence in the Massachusetts area and continuing your, uh, you know, just improving officiating. And I'm also, you know, united in that front. I mean, I think about this podcast, it's always like, to me, genuinely, like, it's like a, it's like a mentor that you press play on, you know, you might meet somebody's (laughs) new story and you're like, Oh, I never thought of it that way. Or, I right. think that way, or mm-hmm, I don't know about that one, but it's, it's just a constant <laughs> yeah. learning situation. Now, I did want to dive into your nursing side. How does that, how does that uh, play into officiating? Because, you know, I think about, I just did a podcast before a couple of days ago about somebody that was in the finance world. He ended up going closer to the finance world, realizing that he couldn't do any high school games because he came out too late because he was managing 60 people. How does nursing, mm. how does nursing help officiating and, how does officiating, how does nursing, I guess I'd say, affect in, in, a, in a bad way or maybe just like scheduling? How does it affect officiating? So nursing for me, I got into nursing because I, I truly care for people. I just want to help people, care for them, 
make them feel good, make them feel healthy, get them back to where they want to be in their life. So I carry that into the referee world in a couple of ways. I, like I said before, like to speak with other referees and have great work relationships with them, friendships, whatever it might be. But I care for them even past that, you know, their health and wellness. I've had many people on the board come up to me and ask me questions regarding their health care. I mean, it, it's, it's funny. But anyways, also for other players, coaches, get to know people, especially at the high school level at this point. You know, I know certain coaches, I know certain players, just showing them that the referee isn't the bad guy, that we're your friends. I think my nursing world kind of comes into that. As a nurse, a lot of our patients, they kind of see us as, as the bad guys at some point because we've got to do the tough things to get them well and back to their, their previous status. So we get a little bit beaten up on the same thing in refereeing. So I think, you know, you got to have kind of a tough skin and carry that through. In terms, of the, in terms of the scheduling part, I've done it both ways. So I, I was a frontline nurse, a bedside nurse for a few years to start out, probably about the first three years of my refereeing career, I was still at the bedside. So I did those 12-hour shifts, threw those blocks in on my days that I had to work. And then the three, four days that I was off, it was all games all the time. So it, was, it, was, it wasn't bad. It kind of worked out for me. Now I've transitioned to a management role within the nursing world. And so I'm more of working a nine to five. Mm. So I've, you know, completely put those blocks in for those days. I'm oftentimes leaving right from work, going right to a game, you know, seven o'clock game. And then I'm not home until nine thirty, ten o'clock makes for a long day, but it, it is what it is. I'm also in school full time still. I'm pursuing a dual master's degree. I have a little bit more time left for that. But because of that, you know, throw the blocks in where, where big papers are due ahead of time. I always plan out things as to not get overwhelmed and, and be able to make all of my commitments. But it's definitely doable, and I hope that people aren't scared to, you know, get into that world because of the scheduling side of it. Uh, you can definitely make things work. But, yeah, it, it's, it's all about the balance and just kind of being organized for me at least. Yeah, that listen, that's really good advice because you never hear from a nurse's perspective of that scheduling piece when it comes to refereeing. And um, just to, I guess, piggyback from what you were saying, too, if somebody was aspiring as an official to be a, become a nurse, I know that sometimes when you look at the curriculum, you go, oh, I might have to take refing in, in a backseat. Is it something that's feasible to still, I guess, salvage your season while you're concurrently becoming a registered nurse? Yeah, oh, yeah, I think. Yeah, you just have to be very diligent about your time. And yeah, if you're pursuing that career, maybe you're still in school, maybe you're out of school, just starting out as a new nurse, maybe start slow on the rest stuff, but keep it going. Even if it's a trickle, even if it's one, two games a week, mm. it's still something that you can do to gain the knowledge that you need, the experience you need as a, a ref and still be able to do your other career. I, I definitely think that it's possible. Mm. Yeah, I, I could definitely tell that me and you were one in the same of like, I like to be busy and I, I like I like to do meaningful work. I feel like that's, yeah. am I right about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're only on this earth for so long. Mm. I want to, you know, make an impact while I'm here and do it in a way that's, that's uh, healthy and good and is going to really support my community and my people. So, yeah, you got to just be on your own game and set your own boundaries mm -hmm. and go for it. Well, I, I know that you probably have a couple of pockets left to do other things. If so, 
would you ever officiate another sport? And if you would, what would it be? Well, I actually one time for one year did do another sport. I did lacrosse for one season. Yeah. I used to play lacrosse when I was a kid, briefly, like middle school, high school times. I mm. loved the game. It was great. I still think a lot of people don't know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm going to be honest. Me too. <laughs> so it was one of those things where I studied and studied and studied, tried the rules. You get out there, you work with some individuals. And it just, it didn't seem like everybody was on the same page. And I didn't feel like I was supporting the game at that point. Mm. So I kind of backed off and said, you know what, guys, this is your thing. I'm going to do this season for this year out. And I, and I didn't return for another one. Mm. I just really love basketball. And so I think for now, I would like to continue to grow my high school career. I want to get to the state level for that. I want to continue to grow my college career, hopefully up to NCAA Division two, one. who knows. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the sky's the limit in terms of that, but I don't think I'm going to be trying any other sports anytime soon. Understandable. Completely understandable. <laughs> and I, you know what? I, I have been doing boys lacrosse for five years. I just got certified for girls lacrosse this year. And it was like right before pa- the pandemic, I was going to really go. Wow. And I was like, you are right. It was completely confusing. <laughs> but the only thing is like my board over here, I mean, Long Island is just like the elitist of elite when it comes to lacrosse. So I'm like fortunate that I'm at the hotbed Ooh. of the game of lacrosse. So, you know, I wish you kind of had that great. nurturing. You know what I'm saying? Because you have yes. that nurturing on your board. That's how I feel on my board. Everyone, like if you watch any of those high level division one college games like Johns Hopkins versus Duke, you'll see they're all from Long Island. They're all, it's like Center Reach, New yeah. York, Comac, New York, Baldwin, they're all from Long Island. But um, after, <laughs> after everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a basketball official? As an official, perseverance. I think can't let things get to you. You got to just keep moving forward. I think that resilience, like I mentioned before, is important. You gotta, you gotta be open and honest with yourself. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from your, you know, knowledge deficits, and really just be a student for the rest of your career. Never think you know it all. It's really important to keep focused on what is important. I, I, you know, tend to set my pride aside, my ego, all that stuff. Check it out the door, and just. Keep working hard every day on your game because as soon as you're stagnant, you're not you're not going to be relevant anymore. You're mm. not going to have what you need to continue to grow. What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go as an official? Yeah, so if I want to get to, you know, Division Two or Division One for NCAA, I one I got to fix my posture. <laughs> <laughs> I have really bad posture. Mm. Um, I always have it. It's something I'm continuing to work on, but I got to fix that. I got to do a little bit more mechanic work, you know, mm-hmm. going from between high school and college. Yep. It's, dang, it's hard it's to keep it all straight. And I think that, you know, like I mentioned, I want to get to that NCAA Division One level. That means I have to make myself uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I have to get out there. I'm actually usually a pretty shy person <laughs> until I get to know someone mm-hmm. and Especially refereeing at the college level, you don't have those same reps that you're always working with right. uh, because of travel and all that stuff. So I got to put myself out there, get out of out of my comfort zone, and try to just 
keep learning and, and keep working with other individuals who are going to make me better. So, yeah, that's kind of my focus for the next few years. Mm. Yeah. I, listen, I, I could just, I could just tell your passion and you're, you're in such a right place. Like just keep doing what you're doing. If you can describe the most sticky situation that you've ever had as an official. My first televised, televised game for a uh, college game, I was nervous as all heck. I didn't know the officials I was working with, had to drive pretty long ways. I just wasn't, wasn't feeling confident. I get out there, and at some point, one of the coaches, I won't mention any names, I won't tell you where it was, she grabs my arm, and I have never in my life had a coach touch me in any way during a game and she was trying to get my attention it wasn't like she was going after me or or trying to hurt me in any way but she grabbed it really hard it kind of shook it and was like why didn't you call blah 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 blah. and that it threw me off for like the next I don't know quarter at least like I was out my my head was somewhere else I didn't know what she was talking about right in the beginning of the game and it caused me to not call other calls that I should have made. And so then I get into the locker room with these uh, other referees, and I'm like, do you guys know what happened? You know, I told them how she grabbed me, whatever. And they they were telling me, oh, you missed the call, and she was trying to ask you this. And then she asked both of us later on in the game and all this stuff. So at some point when she was grabbing me, had said to her, please stop grabbing me. I, I can't officiate when you do that and kept running. And so for the rest of the game, she just, it was not good. We, we did not get along. So that was the stickiest situation that I've had. And so I, I tried to, you know, by the end of the game, get back on great speaking terms with her and whatnot. Unfortunately, during that time, she wasn't ready. Next season, I had a game with her. She was completely fine. Seemed like she didn't even remember the situation. <laughs> but I never expected that to happen. It did. Unfortunately, you know, it, it, it happened. But, it's you know, you learn from it and try to keep the communication flowing with the coaches as much as possible. Mm. Rihanna always said, never a failure, always a lesson. So we could just right. apply that one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I like it. If you can, um, if you could pinpoint one moment in your officiating career, um, what's your best moment thus far as an official? Hmm. My last game that I did this year, which was the Division One semifinals playoff game for uh, the high school girls hmm. basketball in my area. I was working with two great officials. We had two really great teams that we were really excited for gym full of people than most I've ever been in front of. And I just, I made a commitment to myself while I was driving to the game. Like your mechanics are going to be on point tonight. You're going to be confident tonight. You're going to have great posture tonight. You know, you're going to make the right calls. You're going to make sure that this game is officiated really well. And I kind of just talked myself through it. And so, you know, I went through the game. Everything was great. I, I felt like it was, you know, one of my, my top performances. I Even even when things kind of went a little weird, I, I ended up getting hit with a ball somehow. I don't know if that's ever happened to you in a game. During, you know, a whistle, I'm going to report something at the table, and somebody throws a ball up, like, get it to where it needs to be, and uh-huh. it ends up hitting me. 
such a weird, you know, situation. Hit yeah. me in the back of that, whatever. But I brushed it off, remained confident, was good with the players. Just had a great rapport with everybody. And, you know, it was a big game. My signer was there. I obviously wanted to impress him and keep my, you know, career going on the right path. And, you know, he had nothing but good things to say afterwards. And it just felt like that was a, a clean, officiated game. And that's all I want to do. I mm. want to make sure that it's, it's a great performance out there, that our referee team is on the same page and seamless and communicating and, and just a well-oiled machine. And that's mm. what it felt. Mm. So that's my, my best experience. That sounds awesome. Listen, I hopefully your best experience is yet to come. And of course, you and I, I, I want to reiterate this. I, I really look forward to working with you at the next level. But both of us are not Division One officials. And, you know, I know I don't I have no idea when I'm gonna I haven't cut my hair since March. Like I look crazy. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I I look off the hook and you know, it's oh. because I don't know if we're gonna start. If if you had a prediction, when yeah. do you think we're gonna when do you think we're gonna start reffing? Good news. I think it's not going to be anytime soon. I really don't. I I don't know that we can do it in a safe way. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of officials, at least from my circle, that mm. are going to be willing. And as you know, things are going on. I I see cases kind of spiking back up. We're not going in the right direction. Yeah. So unlike other sports that are kind of going on right now, like I know some places are doing football, right. some are doing soccer. It's mm. outdoors. It's more space. Whatever. Yeah lower risk basketball is not that no i don't think i'm going to see a basketball court in 2020 mm. i i think 2021 november of 2021 i think we might be able to go off if there's you know a vaccine or some type of safer way safer guidelines safer protocols that we can do to protect ourselves but mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am not extremely optimistic about this season. Yeah. Listen, everybody that listens to my show, we're, we're talking to a medical professional that works in the front line. So I'm going to I think you're right. I mean, people think that I'm crazy because I keep telling them summer 2022. That's when like everyone we're going to be in restaurants and doing, you know, being at right. Chipotle and being able to sit in front of a stranger. Like, think about yeah. it. that's that's like taboo right now. So right. I'm with you <laughs> right. united in that. I got one more final question to you, and this is like so near and dear to my heart because, you know, I'm really aligned with you. Like, basketball has done so much for me. I mean, it's gotten me an opportunity to speak to somebody a couple of hundred miles away from me. But the fact that, you know, I vibe with you because we ref women's college basketball. You played all your life. It means so much to me. What What does basketball mean to you? What does it mean to you in your life? Oh, it means everything. I tell my husband all the time, you weren't my first love basketball wife. <laughs> um, and I mean it in the nicest way possible. I really do. You know, I got a big smile on my face just talking about it right now. I can't remember a time in my childhood that I didn't have mm. a basketball and a hoop in my driveway to go play and, and work out my anger, my frustration, mm. or just go hang out with my sister, my friends, my teammates, whoever it was, it's just always been that thing that's constant. And, you know, as you get older, you kind of start to think like, oh, am I ever going to lose it? And there's just different ways you can be involved and you don't have to lose it. Mm -hmm. And so basketball has really meant everything. And even during this pandemic, I actually took my childhood hoop from my parents' house, (laughs) like my big gorilla, like cemented into the ground. Hoop, big hoop, brought it to my house, 
you know, dug the four foot hole, put the cement in the ground, put it in because, you know, no. places are shut down right now. You can't go and play. And I just started playing again, shooting around and it comes back to you like in a second. And, you know, that, that muscle memory and it's just basketball is a way that brings people together, but you can also do it by yourself and still feel the love from it. So it, it's meant everything to me, and it will continue to mean everything to me. I, I just absolutely love it. Mm. So since you love it so much that you're, you're willing to dig some holes, do you think you like officiating more than playing? <laughs> yes, I do. I find it more wow. challenging to officiate mm-hmm. than to play. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I just it, it motivates me. It wants it makes me want more. As a player, believe me, I was in great situation too where I was challenged just officiating I just feel like I have to be so much more focused mm-hmm. so much more on my game the off season is not an off season you have to continue to study or you're going to lose that knowledge that you have you know you got to continue to stay in shape because I'm just I just keep getting older and these kids stay the same age so mm-hmm. I, I gotta be able to <laughs> stay ahead of them keep yeah. up. so I definitely think that it's been harder but I enjoy it more being a ref Man, it's so good to, for you to vocalize it because, like, I, when I tell my friends who think that I was good at basketball once upon a time, like, when I tell them the amount of passion that I have for officiating over playing basketball all these years, like, people are like, why? Like, I don't understand why you like it so much, but obviously I've made referee rant. I've connected with you. I think you're such a remarkable young woman. You know, I really look forward to meeting you and, and really working with you at the next level. I think your 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 heart is in the right place. I just really love you. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want to blow smoke, but this has definitely been like top five for me. Like the way you've, uh, oh, you wow. just, I know. I don't want, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, <laughs> I just want to say thank you. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? Oh, I want to say thank you to you. And I want you to know that you're making a big impact, not just on your local community, but the, the rest community out there. So please don't stop doing what you're doing because, we love it. I love hearing people's stories, and you do a great job of putting it out there. So thank you so much for having me and, and for doing this today. This is really awesome. Yeah, and I've never said this on air, but I've always said, like, why are, why are association board, like, websites always awful? Why is it has been, like, updated, <laughs> like, the last time they update is 2016, and that has always been my guiding principle of referee rant because referee rant, like, with referees, we we got a we got a story too. Like I'm artistic. Right. I'm artistic. Like I'm just sad that everything. Like I just always wanted to make it look nice. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I hope that I evoke that emotion with the things that I've been making. And you know I'm really happy that I was able to get you on and share your story with everyone. And uh, we'll talk off air in a second. Uh, I want to wrap sure. this up. Uh, I definitely need pictures of of that that hoop that you have on. On your uh, court, in your house, but for, Chris, for Christina Cesaro, this is Ralph the Ref. This is the rant. We are signing out. Peace.